0: This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Hello and welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for the end of May. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrat. Trevor, it's so good to be back with you doing Hallelujah Monkeys proper again. And I feel like this has never been a more legitimate operation than it is today.
1: No, because good news for us and the listeners,
0: we finally sold out. We finally, like gorillas themselves, have have formed our first true corporate partnership. Right, this is this is so exciting. A couple
1: weeks ago, or uh, maybe like two weeks ago, you got an email from a company based in Sweden, I believe, Sudio
0: called studio and i gotta tell you this is this is one i actually feel really good about i think it's super it's super like a good fit for the show because like yeah
1: totally like a blue apron or casper or audible had rolled up to the door with those big bags of money that i know they have and that other (laughs) podcasters have told me about i'd be be like
0: no no way split we don't want your we don't want your blood money. But let me tell you something, Trevor. All different kinds of people love gorillas. I'm talking old and young and short and tall and everything in between. But the only thing you know for sure when somebody says they love gorillas, it means that they like things that sound good and they like things that look good. Because between the music and the
1: artwork, gorillas has that whole package, yeah.
0: And that's why Studio is, a, is an amazing sponsor to have for Hallelujah Monkeys.
1: Right, we should say that they make headphones.
0: So they're a headphone company, but they're also like, they call themselves like a lifestyle company too. And that makes sense because it's not just about top of the line audio and and great fidelity. It's about cutting edge fashion accessories that you'll be proud to wear out of the house, Trevor. If
1: you're you're a business in 2018, especially one that markets through podcasts, and you're not offering a lifestyle in (laughs) addition to whatever product you're also selling, you're really not offering it at all.
0: Definitely, definitely. So what you want to do is you got to go to studio.com, look at all of the their their wide line of products. They all look great. They all sound great. And we know that because they sent us some samples. That's true. We both got a pair ourselves. We'll talk about that a little later on the show, actually. Go look at their model, studio.com. They're actually really uh, competitively priced, especially for the quality. And uh, find the model that's right for you. Make sure at checkout that you use offer code GORILLAS for 15% off of your order. Now, some people might not know this, uh, Trevor, but the band GORILLAS actually spells their name with a Z. So Right.
1: Yeah. Very that's,
0: edgy. It's <laughs> very important. Go to studio.com, offer code GORILLAS for 15% off of checkout.
1: With a Z. Studio. Designing sound. That's enough commercials for now. Let's get to why we're all really here. GORILLAS NEWS. Oh, my God. Right? So good.
0: We have so much to talk about today. This has been insane. This has been insane. We we finally waited long enough for, like, big shit to happen.
1: Right. And we've waited it out, and now all the announcements are here. But before we get into the big shit, let's talk about some of the smaller stuff first. Uh, like, for instance, Gorilla's
0: family member Pusha T recently released a new album, Daytona, on uh, May 25th. Is this, like, the fourth Humans collaborator to put out an album after Humans and get Best New Music by Pitchfork? There's Vince, there's, uh, there's uh, Ray Black, there's uh, uh, Callie Uchis. I can't remember right. if Benjamin Clementine got one or not, I can't remember.
1: Not sure, but yeah, the Gorillaz family's doing pretty well for themselves in the media.
0: Yeah, Humans was apparently a good luck charm of a project, even though, even though Pitchfork only gave them, what was it, a 6.8 or something? I think it was
1: a 69. 69! Nice. Uh, but hey, did you listen to this uh, release? I did. I thought it was pretty good. It's like seven tracks, twenty minutes,
0: nice and tight. Yeah, all produced by Kanye West. That was cool. Uh, Kanye's verse on it's really bad, but but the album's pretty fun. And also, honestly, what I've been thinking about pretty much nonstop since I heard it, Trevor, is on that second track when he has that lyric where he explains that like people have been tweeting at him, angry that it took him so long to put out new material, and he says, "But what do you expect when a rapper's got a cape and he's great?" <laughs> and I. I, mean, I feel like that's Pusha T saying the reason it took so long for a new Pusha T album to come out is because he bought a cape.
1: <laughs> that is a whole process, though. I mean, if there's something that's going to push your release date back, that'll do it. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about more Gorillas centric stuff, though. Like, um, for instance, they've launched a new podcast in collaboration with Deezer called Things I Like. Surprisingly, it's hosted by Russell.
0: I don't know how to feel about this, Trevor.
1: I I feel like I feel like a, it's a little bit of a backstab. A little bit, but Damon did call us the number one gorillas podcast in the world, and he can't take it back.
0: He really can't. I listened to all four of these episodes, and they're they're pretty fun. They're short, uh, pretty easy to get through. He's had uh, Humans Collaborators on it so far. Uh, De La Soul was on it. Little Sims was on it. Uh, Paz the News was on it. I think my favorite, honestly, was Jenny Beth. Yeah. They had her on, uh, and the and the subject was that she had to, like, pick any living or dead people five of them to have a dinner party with and it was really good. Oh that's fun.
1: I think I think now that gorillas are officially in the podcasting game we should extend an invitation. Russell, if you want to do some kind of cross promo, you know, we're the number one gorillas podcast in the world. <laughs> Getting on our show would be a big deal for you as one of the gorillas. It'd be a big boost. Yeah, so come on come on the show. Play a track from, play a new Gorilla single or something. Sure, it'll it'll be great for everyone.
0: Debut it on here. We'll uh, yeah. we'll we'll uh, we'll give you that Howley is monkeys boost that you need for this new album to be a success. Go check out Things I Like. You can get it in all the places, even though Deezer is is sponsoring it or whatever. You can still get it on uh, on iTunes and whatnot. It, it is exciting to hear this much like Russell activity, potentially more than we've ever gotten. But it's not, a, you're not exactly getting a huge insight into like Russell or Laura or anything, but they do do some fun jokes. Like there's an episode where he's like eating throughout, which is a classic podcaster. No, no good thing to do. And, and
1: classic Russell. He's always chowing down. Big, fat, round, chubby Russell. <laughs> Big, fat, chubby, round Russell. But speaking of New Gorilla's music and the New Gorilla's album, Dylan, we finally have an official announcement about what this thing is called and when it's coming out. Jesus Christ, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, Trevor. Tell me. The band hasn't spoken about this, but a, a, a they've recently launched a website, the NowNow.tv, which features the name of the album which is the now now the now now and its release date june 29th that's which is month. in just
0: a month there's a new gorilla album in a month that's wild <laughs> can we can we take just a moment of silence in in respect for plastic demon beach days the the title of an album that was too good to be true yeah, I want to clarify, that wasn't us doing some kind of joke or
1: anything. That was no. straight from Denim himself.
0: Yeah, and we'd gotten several like like unsourceable off-the-record leaks about this. I, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that there was a period of time in which this album was at least under the working title.
1: Working title, Plastic Demon Beach Days. But now it's called The Now Now, which is
0: very interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it.
1: Yeah, I think you were the one who first brought to my attention that it could be like kind of like um, a consolatory tone, like now, now, kind of like patting someone on the shoulder.
0: Right, or like trying to get somebody to, to simmer down who's too upset, like now, now.
1: Yep, that too, yeah.
0: Could be that, uh, yeah. I don't know what to make of that.
1: Very interesting, though, and and it's hard not to read it as a response to like the lukewarm reception humans got. I think
0: that that's the question: Are we about to get a fan service gorillas album, or are we about to get a little spanking from Dad? Who knows? At least we only have to wait a month to find out. That's what I want to know. Also, what do you think of that clip on on of that song on on the NowNow.tv? That sounded
1: very cool, very retro sounding, very soul R and B kind of vibes.
0: I liked it a lot. Some some little like Donna Summer lasery synths too. Like fuck, man, that's pretty sick. That's pretty sick.
1: I'm definitely looking forward to the very real possibility that Damon will be singing over it too, because apparently his he's one of the only like three vocalists on this album.
0: Yeah, he, he sings on every song, according to according to to Damon in concert himself. So. So here's the question: We've heard Idaho, which is like a, a slow, sort of melancholy country ballad, right? I heard 30 seconds of of uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, weeks and weeks ago, and I, I guess I would best describe what I remember that song sounding like, Trevor. So take that with a grain of salt because it's been some time. As being like kind of like Stylo by way of Sex Murder Party, kind of very exciting. Um, and then now this kind of like. Very 70s disco It's going to be an eclectic album. I'll tell you what this clip definitely showed me is that this is not the fall, too. This sounds fucking big. This sounds studio. This sounds, you know, lots of musicians. This sounds like a like a real production to me.
1: I'm really psyched for it. I can't believe it's only 30 days away. Jesus. And yet,
0: it's not really the main thing we're here to talk about. It today. is, and, isn't,
1: and it isn't, because everything else we're going to talk about in the news is not Not really confirmed, but it it definitely seems like it's real. (laughs)
0: It's confirmed enough that we can now talk about it, Trevor. Yeah,
1: I think so. So, the Gorilla's rumor mill has been abound with uh, the possibility that the band has replaced Murdoch while he's in jail during Phase 5. I feel ridiculous even talking about this.
0: Quickly, can I just refresh everybody's memory that Murdoch in jail, we know this from that... Fifteen-second-long mocap acceptance speech at the Q Awards. Right. Slash Gorilla's official Twitter, occasionally using the hashtag #FreeMurdoch. Mm-hmm. So apparently, we're just now that serious phase five. Laura, Laura is back. By the way, <laughs> Laura's back in a big way. In a big way, and we're not even at the weirdest part of this. The weirdest driver. part would be who they've replaced
1: him with on base.
0: Oh, is it a new uh, original character from Jamie Hewlett, who's great at designing new original characters? No, it's actually a character from an existing property. <laughs> oh, oh, it must be something. It must be something that's like a good a good tone match. Like maybe I don't know, Venture Brothers or or, or something, some kind of gritty like Spawn comic or something. Is it not,
1: that? Not, not quite. But they have a. St- Establish that it takes place in the same shared universe as Gorillas.
0: Oh, okay. Well, who is it? Where are they from? It's uh, the Powerpuff Girls.
1: It, is it a Powerpuff Girl? No, it's uh, one of their B-list villains from the gangrene Gang. Green Gang. <laughs> so not Mojo Jojo. No, not Mojo Jojo. Not uh, Fuzzy Lumpkins.
0: Not him. Like a, a C-tier. Guy who is in some episodes of the Powerpuff Girls? Yeah, his name is Ace, and he's green. Hmm. <laughs> what is the evidence that this is happening, first well, of all?
1: what seems to confirm is some posts that Jamie has made on his Instagram account that seem to depict his character. Um, we got, like, a close-up of his face with, like, um, an ace of spades pinned to his chest. Great. And we also got a shot of him at an event with Noodle. I can't remember what that was for, do you? Uh, Kentucky Derby, I think. Kentucky Derby, right. And most recently, we got um, the announcement of their festival dates, which features the four members of the band, one of which is clearly not Murdoch. It's this Ace guy.
0: And then somebody on an Instagram comment was like, can we talk about the fact that Noodle is now dating Ace from Powerpuff Girls? And then Jamie Hewlett responded, they're not dating, they're just good friends. What's going on? (laughs) What is going on? On Trevor, why is this happening, Trevor? I don't think anybody could have called this kind of crossover, right? I don't understand. And I was recently talking to a close friend of the show, who shall remain nameless, remain nameless, because I was I was scratching my head and spinning out as I have been for weeks. And he was like, "I don't think this is any weirder than when like Russell got big in Phase three. It's so much weirder, dude. It's so much weirder. It's really weird. So much weirder. This show is like—I know that it had some kind of a reboot, like somewhat recently, that I didn't pay any attention to. um, Right. But I don't think Ace was in that reboot. I don't. I don't know if we've seen him in it yet. No.
1: And I also like just what? What? What's the game here? Like, is it Like, is it possible some kind of cross promotion leading towards a Gorilla's TV show on? Cartoon Network. That's the that's the good ending, right?
0: That's all I can kind of figure is maybe there's some kind of a shared universe thing happening where they're gonna backdoor pilot a gorillas show onto Cartoon Network or something. I guess we'll see. Guess we'll see, but Jesus, Jamie Hewlett. Jamie Hewlett was like in his late 30s when the Powerpuff Girls was on. I get that they've done some shared universe shit before, like Gorillas appeared on a newspaper in a Powerpuff Girls episode or something?
1: That's about the extent of it. And, I, and Mojo Jojo is on 2D's t-shirt, right?
0: Yeah, from a Gorillaz.com image or something.
1: I think it was actually on the back of G-Sides.
0: <laughs> is that true? Oh, okay, maybe think that's so, true. But
1: which is weird, because if Mojo Jojo, like, if, if the Powerpuff Girls is canon in the Gorillas universe, he's not wearing a Powerpuff Girls t-shirt. He's just wearing a t-shirt with the face of a monkey
0: that, like... Who's a supervillain. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a head-scratcher. I don't know what to make of this, dude. This is so weird. And it would almost even make more sense if, like... If it was like, hey, Craig McCracken is going to be drawing some of the stuff in Phase 5. Look, he's doing Ace. But it's not. It's, it's Jamie Hewlett doing his version of
1: Ace. Yeah, I agree. That would make sense. What we have doesn't make sense.
0: It doesn't make sense. I don't understand why this is happening. Here's the only other explanation I have for it, Trevor. Jamie Hewlett had a little too much to drink and then stood up and boldly announced I'm going to go to fanfiction.net and the first gorillas fanfic I see is the story for phase 5 god and he landed on one where ace from the powerpuff girls joins gorillas <laughs> That's all I can figure.
1: I've also maybe been kicking around the idea that maybe um, Phil Cornwall has been like under the weather or something and just isn't really up to doing the voice acting this time around. That could be a
0: thing, I guess. But but that's not an ex. But Steve.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This would be a weird way to navigate
0: that issue. Giving, Giving the Murdoch character a break does not. The next logical step isn't. Well, then let's. Replace it with Ace from Powerpuff Girls. Listen, don't don't mistake my incredulity and uh and also confusion with like anger or disappointment because that does, that's not really what I'm feeling.
1: No, I'm. I think this is hilarious. And I think it's very fun. It's just so incomprehensible. Yep. I'm really <laughs> interested to see where it's all going. Me too. And I'll be interested in seeing when the band itself will finally speak on it. Like, are we going to be getting interviews with Ace? Is he going to be popping up there? Are we going to
0: get voice acting? Voice acting, yeah. I. The thing is, is that I haven't watched the Powerpuff Girls, Trevor, since I was, like, 12? Oh, yeah, me neither, since the original run. So I barely remember this This. This character, and let alone, so I know he's a. I know he's a ref. maybe, maybe you and I in the near future need to sit down and watch some fucking Powerpuff Girls and report back.
1: I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, for like a, a sequence in a future episode or something. So yeah, w- obviously details as they continue to
0: develop. Definitely, and and maybe today tangential to this, maybe there's a way into the mind of Jamie Hewlett that'll let us. You know, see what's going on, what's knocking around in that head of his, and maybe we'll come out with some answers that way. What do you think? I p- hope so. How about we get into the round table and, and try to do just that with the first ever Hallelujah Muggies Movie Night! Let's all go to the lobby. Let's to the lobby. do it, please do it.
1: Can, please do it Let's do it Let's fall in love Dylan, I hope you have your popcorn and soda ready because we are here to talk about Tank Girl, the uh, 1995 American science fiction comedy film based on the work of writer Alan Martin and
0: Gorilla's patriarch, Jamie Hewlett. And also based on the work of and directly using the work of (laughs) at times.
1: Right, because his artwork is all over this thing, which I was surprised to find.
0: It should, well, you should have been because it's not how you make a movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm. I'm so glad you gave us that kitschy intro. I actually did pop a bowl of popcorn for this uh, episode, so I'm very happy about that. Great. Yeah, we've been doing album reviews all all season, and in some ways, all all you know series. Uh, I'm very excited to start this new tradition with you, Trevor, where we, where we sit down and watch some silver screen classics
1: together, right? You can't see it, but imagine whenever we say the name of the movie, it's in all caps followed in parentheses by the year of its release.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We're film critics now. Tank (laughs) girls. I guess I have the Ebert energy and you're more of a Siskel. That's how I see it anyway. Okay. Uh, so, here's the thing, Trevor. I, I, over my years as a, pod, as a listener of podcasts, I have like, subscribed to and unsubscribed from a number of movie podcasts. Uh, and, I, and I have strong opinions about why most of them suck. And the main thing is, is just that it gets a little samey listening to two dudes tell you what happened in a movie.
1: Right. But conscious of trying to avoid that, we've come up with a way to zest up the process and keep things fun. At least break it up, and that's why we're going to play some games. Right, and not just any games, gorillas themed games, because we are, after all, a gorillas podcast, and this movie fits into the gorillas canon. Should we do the first one, like, right now? Sure, before we even, uh, why don't we talk about uh, some of the background of the movie a little bit, and save that before we get into the, uh, the plot, yeah.
0: Okay, let's do it. So I want to say that I know in a previous episode, Trevor, I mentioned that I had seen snippets of this movie on Comedy Central in the 2000s. I had also seen snippets. It was always on
1: on days when like, I would stay home faking sick from school. Yes, definitely. But I would never
0: sit down and watch it. Upon watching it for this podcast, it occurred to me that I must have only ever watched two minutes and bailed. Because right. I did not like... Almost none of this was familiar to me. I don't know if you had the same experience. I
1: had, like, a weird, almost, like, subconscious reaction to seeing some of, the, uh, some of the makeup and stuff like that. Like, oh,
0: this. Like, it probably made
1: me feel exactly the same way I felt back then.
0: So, all I know about the creation of why this movie exists is that some dude bought United Artists, and then he was like, I want to make a Tank Girl movie. And they were like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: i know (laughs) well i read that uh director rachel talele is that how you pronounce her name by
0: the way yeah rachel talele who by the way like has a very weird career so she was a a producer for john waters are you do you like john waters um i'm i i know he's got a weird voice uh yeah he made like a bunch of like really aggressively subversive like un-studio comedies and then some like very tame studio ones she produced those ones so like crybaby and hairspray and shit okay um And then uh, her only other big credit as a director was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) So that's what she had coming into this movie. And it's still kind of all she has now, years later. Mm
1: -hmm. But yeah, I heard that she was given an issue of Tank Girl as a gift. And she was so into it, she obtained the permissions to make the movies from uh, Deadline's publisher, which was the uh, magazine that originally published Tank Girl.
0: Oh, that's cool. Okay. I that that's like there must be two like snaking helixing origin stories here. Dual histories. And then I, I know the writer is a guy named Teddy Serafi and and he has bigger credits. So this dude is like a credited writer on Terminator 3, on Rush Hour One Through Three. So this writer is is a little bit more established Hollywood guy. But I know that Jamie was pretty unhappy with this screenplay and kept like doing rewrites on it himself, and the studio kept taking out all of his jokes. Interesting. He, I think he said he kept trying to put Benny Hill references in it. <laughs> Wouldn't
1: surprise me. I'm sure he wanted a lot more sound effects, too.
0: And, and the other reason I think that this this whole experience left a really bad taste in, in Jamie's mouth was that there was a lot of like, you know, studio fuckery. The, 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 the film was extensively like recut and uh, recontextualized after a series of like Mixed uh, test greetings, right? Well, I got to
1: say, Dylan, that rarely results in a good final product.
0: But do you think that there could have been a a good first draft of this movie if there, if you, if you change things around, like could it could it have been saved? Maybe, I, maybe it's too early to weigh in on that.
1: I'm gonna, I'll, 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 earlier or not, I'll go in right now. I don't think this is a bad film. I actually quite enjoyed it.
0: I think that it's there's there's a lot to enjoy, but I think it has pretty glaring issues. Sure, sure, totally, totally. But I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason it was a, it was a, a a flop. There are plenty of reasons that it was a flop. A a pretty
1: colossal flop if I remember right. I think it originally only recouped about like six million dollars of its 25 million (laughs) dollar budget which is not great not great guys
0: great it didn't do great you know
1: clearly not a cheap movie to make either there are no
0: the production design is like huge yeah it's crazy it's quite a production they they built the whole world here you know yeah what else do we need to say about tank girl before we start playing silly parlor games (laughs) um do we want to run through the cast real quick Okay, sure. Uh, Let's start right now with Lori Petty. Because, Trevor, I had an interesting experience watching this movie where the first scene of it involves Tank Girl wearing a mask, and you hear her in in voiceover, right? Uh And I was like, oh, that sounds a lot like that weirdo lady who tries to kill Alex in Season 2 of Orange is the New Black. And then I Googled, and it fucking is! That weird old lady... In Orange is the New Black who talks like a gangster played Tank girl. I think
1: I think I fell out of Orange is the New Black by then, but I mean it sounds like a logical place for this
0: actress to stand <laughs> out. It does. I think also the lady who played Patty Manny's and Doug is on Orange is the New Black so. Great. <laughs> you know, Great. 90s relic ladies. Yeah. Hooray. Apparently Rachel Talele uh, Wanted to give Lori Petty this role, Trevor, because she wanted somebody who was crazy in real life. Okay. And uh, apparently she gave Laurie Petty an issue of Tank Girl, and then she read it and laughed and said, I am Tank Girl.
1: I think she embodies the role very well. I think she really turns in an A-plus performance
0: here. She's a she's a living Looney Tune in this movie for sure. She's Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh who who next? Who do you want to get to next in this in this cast? I think I think we should save the best for last, save the big surprise for last. So uh let's mention let's mention Malcolm McDowell uh playing the film's villain uh Kessley. Classic reliable British villain character actor probably still best known definitely still best known for playing the lead character in A Clockwork Orange. Yes, uh Stanley Kubrick's adaptation, very good. Uh we should definitely while we're here mention the the role of T. Saint is uh is played by by Body Count frontman himself uh Ice-T. He got second billing. Yeah, well he was a, he was a big name. You know,
1: really weird that he got second billing in this movie
0: though. He's barely there, but I mean, you got to sell a movie. We also have, uh, we also have a young Naomi Watts playing Jet Girl. Wh- wh- what? Yeah. <laughs> Academy Award nominee, Naomi Watts of Mulholland Drive fame. And
1: I, I loved her in this film. I thought she was great. I would die for Jet Girl.
0: It definitely does feel like she's a different class of artist than the movie she's in, in a way. A little bit. That's probably the only people we really need to mention now, right? Those are all the big names. There's some more, some more character actory people to show up here. Yeah, now. and some um, interesting
1: cameos, for sure.
0: Okay, can I finally play these dumb games with you, Trevor? Come on! Yes, let's <laughs> let's
1: play the first game, which I think we're going to be calling Film Music.
0: So, I thought it would be fun, Trevor, if we, for every movie we review on a Howl's Monkeys movie night. If we pick a gorilla song that we think could function as the theme song of this movie. Right. And also in advance, can I just say if we, if we end up doing if we end up doing Wait a the social club, Latin Samota's off the table. Sure, okay. that sounds fair. But this <laughs> one was pretty I thought this one was
1: almost as easy because there are some real obvious choices for this one.
0: Oh, okay. Well then, uh, well then Mr. Smarty Pants, why don't you tell me what you have picked? For film music, Tank Girl, what what theme song will gorillas be playing over the opening credits? I thought a pretty obviously
1: appropriate gorilla song to soundtrack the opening of Tank Girl, considering it's a movie that takes place on a giant wasteland and kind of embodies a sense of like chaotic revelry. Uh, I thought Happy Landfill would be a good choice.
0: What a great choice, Trevor. What a great choice. Especially, I can see it playing as she as in those opening, establishing shots of her combing through the desert, definitely. Sure,
1: and you could even, like, I remember the visual for Happy Landfill was a lot of, like, um, gorilla's artwork shots uh, changing in time with those typewriter clicks. I think you could even sure. set, like, a montage of Jamie Hewlett's original Tank Girl art to that, too.
0: That's, a, that's an excellent, excellent choice. I... I- I, I must tell you, I think you've done a, a bang-up job here. I went with a different one. All
1: though. right, let me hear what your uh, Gorilla's theme song for Tank Girl is.
0: Well, I thought what is Tank Girl, right? I think uh, this film is, is a little bit dated, it's pretty corny, and it has a sexuality that makes me feel really uncomfortable at times. Uh, so I decided to go with 5-4, a song that's all of those things. <laughs> fun that was that was i would also
1: put that on like a gorillas themed tank girl mixtape i think that one works really well
0: my only other runner-up track trevor was she's my collar because tank girl does wear a collar at one point and it does kind of sound like a movie theme song dirty harry was up there for me that was probably
1: going to be my second choice
0: definitely could see that too definitely could see that too i think we've both done great work here today and we're ready to start talking about the film tank girl all right so let's get into it Okay, I'll just say this now. I've never had to do it on this show today, and I feel a little dumb that I do now. Uh, Not because I think that it's an unnecessary thing to do, but because a lot of this shit didn't necessarily need to be in the movie, but I'm going to say it. Trigger warning, sexual assault discussion, violence against women discussion, it's all in this movie. It was the
1: 90s. Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of sexual violence here, as there would be in this kind of world, I imagine.
0: Yeah, it's Mad Maxian in a way. It's a little bit like less overbearingly depressing and more arch than Mad Max's world. Yeah. I would
1: say. Let, let's say it takes place in um. T- Tank Girl takes place in two thousand thirty three. Uh, in Tank Girl's words, the world is screwed now. A while ago, a comet crashed into the earth. Uh, it caused the end of the world as they knew it. No celebrities, no cable TV, and no water. It hasn't rained in eleven years.
0: And everything is sort of ruthlessly run by the by the evil organization known as Water and Power. The WP. They control most of the water and got all the power. I really like this opening sequence, by the way, uh, that's set to that Devo song. Yeah, that's a great Devo song. The whole
1: soundtrack is pretty cool. Do you know who was in charge of compiling it, actually? <laughs> I
0: do, as a matter of fact. The, the known conspiracy theorist would tell you the known murderer of Kurt Cobain herself. Courtney Love. Courtney Love helped uh, helped do this. I could definitely see Courtney Love being a big Tank Girl fan. Oh, totally.
1: I could see her auditioning for the part.
0: But can I tell you something really funny and sad and weird about this Devo song? Sure. Okay, so this Devo song that acts as the opening uh, credits theme to Tank Girl, it is an original Devo song, but they wanted the version of it that Soundgarden played, uh, and unfortunately they couldn't afford to license that version of it it was cheaper to just hire Devo and have them play it like Soundgarden plays it. Wow. (laughs) That's really interesting. That's depressing. A little bit, a little bit.
1: But hey, I'm glad it shook out like that because I'd so much rather have Devo on the soundtrack than Soundgarden.
0: (laughs) Fucking me too, for sure. This is actually a cool version of it. too. It's cool to hear like, uh, a slower, like a little bit less super upfront synthified version of it, and Diva sounds great. Yeah, yeah, and, I like uh, it a lot. And it's a pretty cool, pretty cool uh, uh, opening sequence too, with lots of Jamie Hewlett art. Mm-hmm, tons of Jamie Hewlett art, and
1: that doesn't stop being a thing at any
0: point in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, because routinely they'll just cut away to a sometimes not even that closely related Jamie Hewlett illustration, and sometimes <laughs> instead of filming sequences
1: like a montage or like discussions or something, they'll, they'll just, just show a couple Jamie Hewlett pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a baffling choice.
0: Really interesting way to make a movie. I guess it, it would be helpful if you had to like severely reconstruct a movie in editing, right? Definitely. Yeah. And you didn't have all this money for reshoots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they do now when they make every Star Wars movie. Yeah, um,
1: you couldn't. There was no CGIing over Henry Cavill's mustache back in the day.
0: <laughs> couldn't do it. Had to get, get Jamie Hewlett to yeah. draw silly pictures for you. <laughs> so this first sequence, you got Tank Girl scavenging the wasteland looking for a birthday gift. Uh, For her boyfriend. And she comes
1: across the remains of like a group of WP who have been attacked by the Rippers.
0: And nobody's ever seen them, Trevor. They don't know what they look like. But they are apparently
1: a demonic army of bloodthirsty, human-eating, purse-snatching mutant creatures. And they're led by the infamous Johnny Prophet.
0: And and they only seem to be targeting water and power people. They don't just kill randos. Right, right. And
1: Tank Girl and her friends are also uh, regularly stealing from water and power. They've got kind of like a water siphoning operation going on at their home base.
0: This is like one of the first big, oh, why didn't you just shoot this? But there's no establishing shot of Tank Girl's like complex that she lives in with her little co-op. It's just right. a picture that he drew. Like, oh, weird. That okay. says like HQ on it, right? Yeah, definitely and then And then, after she gets back, there's this really weird scene where she forces her boyfriend to strip nude at gunpoint while affecting a Russian accent the entire time. And then she's interrupted by some sassy children who see the whole thing happen.
1: It's very weird, one of which becomes pretty important. She's Sam. She's like a twelve year old girl. Uh, after that, we first see her like carving a wooden like a wooden totem of a ripper, I guess.
0: She has a fun, sassy attitude. Like the the little boy is like, "No one's ever seen a ripper," and then Sam's like, "No one's ever seen your peanut dick either." Right? Yeah. Pretty and good. she's
1: supposed to be carving a uh, bust of Doris Day for Tank Girl, who has traded her a signed Doris Day poster for one.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's some barter economy shit going on in this co op, and you can tell. You can tell Tank Girl's she's got she's got she feels very sweet on Sam. She has yeah a, yeah. Not quite a mother-daughter relationship. Maybe a big sister relationship is closer to how I'd describe it, you know? Definitely. We got
1: some more of that kind of stuff later on when Tanker's on Guard Duty. But first... We have to meet Kesley. <laughs> yeah, first we cut to uh, the, the, um, the WPHQ. Yeah, like the boardroom, I guess. And his first line is like looking right into the camera with his steely gaze saying, Adam was dust until God injected him with life. And then he goes on this long speech about water and how water
0: is power. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell devours scenery in this totally. movie, Trevor. He knocks he it out of the park, I think. hamming it the fuck up. He's great. He's great. Uh, this is a great scene where he's like, basically what we establish is that water and power controls every part of the grid, except for this little sliver where Tank Girls people are. Yeah, the crack. And as, a, as punishment for the dude who was like unable to get that little sliver... Malcolm McDowell like smashes these screens and then makes him walk across the the ground uh, on broken glass barefoot, right? Yeah, and then and then in, and then stabs this thing into his back. Did they ever explain this item or give it a name?
1: No, it's some kind of contraption that he sticks into his back, and what it clearly does is it drains all of the water out of his body, completely dehydrating him, and fills it up in this little jug.
0: Which, it looks like it sort of it sort of takes sucks out his blood and all the goo in him and like converts it into water, yeah, sort of something you know? like that, which makes sense because it's like the scarcest resource and the evil company would like kill people and turn them into water. It's weird, but it it's makes. a
1: really great moment when uh when Kesley drinks
0: it, though, yeah, it's like cannibalistic and animalistic and disgusting it yeah, you know? takes a sip and goes lovely, but then what's up with the shot where then it, did we did we see Kesley take his shoes off? Or do we just get that reveal when you suddenly see that he's also walking barefoot on the glass because he's, like, psychopath?
1: I didn't notice that, actually.
0: Yes, it cuts to his feet, like, after he kills the guy, and he's, like, and he tells, uh, what's his name, Sergeant Small, that he's in charge of the dead guy's job now. He's, like, (laughs) he's, like, just casually also walking barefoot on the broken glass. Weird. (laughs) Weird choices. Weird choices in this movie.
1: So now that we've learned who Kesley is and who he's about, we uh, cut back to Tank Girl's Headquarters, where she's on guard duty, and we kind of get a humorous montage of her just fucking around. It's
0: kind of a weirdly edited
1: piece, I think. There's a lot of weird editing in this movie. She, like,
0: takes a, she takes a sip of beer, but then, like, acts like it's disgusting and spits it out. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, then Sam
1: shows up, and she promises to sneak her some food in exchange for a dangerous-looking weapon that she
0: scavenged. What's up with that fucking weapon? It's so weird. It reminds me of the have you ever seen Phantasm? No. It's like a shitty B horror movie where the villain is a giant floating ball with blades all over it. It looked like something from Hellraiser, maybe. Yeah, also that. But for yeah. some reason, she's gonna trade this little kid her scary spike ball in exchange for some food while she's on guard duty. Then right. there's like this really off-putting, like near miss sex scene where Tank yeah, Girl.
1: Really strange. She thinks her boyfriend shows up.
0: She thinks it's her boyfriend and obviously they've established that they like to play weird role-playing games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she just like she's like, don't come any closer. And then she takes a pair of scissors and it's I I found this to be the opposite of erotic. I don't know how you found (laughs) She just starts slowly cutting like extraneous articles of clothing
1: off of her body.
0: Her pantyhose. And it's and it doesn't help that the whole thing is set to like a terrible song by Bush. Yeah. Which like couldn't be a less sort of erotic backdrop of like this mumbling, heroined out grunge band. It you was know? <laughs> it was the nineties. People are attracted to different things. I know. Could you imagine like having to fuck when grunge was a thing? <sighs> <laughs>
1: but we then we get to reveal that she's not actually been approached by her boyfriend it's actually a member of like a WP raid squad who has discovered her and her friends water siphoning operation and are raiding right. her house
0: and 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 they go like all of his teammates are in the in the co-op just shooting the fuck out of everybody right yeah
1: yeah we clearly see her
0: boyfriend die and they also capture Sam the one who has tank girl because Most characters in this movie are creepy, sexual predators. (laughs) Uh, So, keeps the gun on her and tells her to keep going because it was starting to get good. Right. And she kind of, like, pretends to still be sexy and then manages to, how did she overpower him? She, like, kicks him in the balls. This is actually
1: pretty cool. She blows some dirt in his eyes, hits him in the balls, steals his gun and the pins from his grenade, leaving him to just blow up.
0: I'm not here to tell Water and Power how they should carry, carry out their business, Trevor, but it seems like a bad choice to leave your exposed grenade pins on your belt holster. Sure. <laughs> Tuck those away. But that's a, great, that's a great shot where he's like, shit,
1: and then he yep. explodes. Just blows up, and she goes right at the house, shooting. They come out of the place, firing right back at her, and there's a struggle that goes on until her gun jams, at which yeah. point she's captured.
0: And for some reason, they don't immediately kill her. They're like, we can have some fun with her. More creepy sexual predator shit. And then and then they kill her yak. They, they shoot her yak, which is a bummer. And yeah. then they hit her in the face. What do you think about that weird choice to, when they hit her in the face for that little Jamie Hewlett dialogue bubble to pop up that says, this, this is, is me unconscious. unconscious?
1: I liked that a lot.
0: Interesting choice. I like it yeah. better than not shooting an establishing shot of the co-op. But, uh, okay. So then the, the sexual assault attempts
1: continue on the dropship. right? This is fun though. She leads the guy into thinking that she's going to give him a blow job, but then she snaps his neck with her legs.
0: And then for some reason, again, the troop, the troopers don't just shoot her. They just like cock their guns and say freeze, but like she's yeah. murdering them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then we've got, we, this is the, this section involves Kesley, the Malcolm McDowell, super bad guy, wants tank girl to work for water and power.
1: Right, because of her extraordinary capabilities.
0: Oh, yeah, she killed eight of his men, and his response is so baffling. When he finds out that she killed eight of his men, he says, Eight. Eight. The burning eight. Between (laughs) Sunday and Monday hangs a day so dark it will devastate. What is this screenplay? (laughs) I don't know. He likes quoting poetry. I assumed it was from something. It must have been. I didn't Google it, though. He
1: also uh, quickly quotes... uh, Dante's Inferno soon after that.
0: Yeah, and I will say that even though like not all of Tink Girl's quips are golden, a lot of them are molden, uh, the fact that she consistently quips throughout Helps this movie not just be like a super bummer about a woman who keeps almost getting sexually assaulted and hit in the face with gun rifle, gun rifle. Oh guns. yeah. There, there's so much violence against women in this <laughs> shit loads of it. It's like yeah. endless. And it does. The fact that Laurie Petty is such a fucking looney tune, I really think helps the movie not turn into like a, a, a mega bummer, you know? Definitely.
1: Definitely. There were, I think there were some, there's a lot of conscious moves they had to make in order to prevent this from being,
0: the kind of movie it could have been. I think if you didn't have a female director, it probably would have been worse, right? Sure. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, basically, she's like, I don't want to work for you. And he's like, well, we have ways of making you work for me. And then we meet uh, your, new, your new waifu. Sure. Jet girl.
1: <laughs> Played by a young Naomi Watts. She's working on a jet when she is harassed by uh, that guy that uh, Kesley put in charge a while ago, Sergeant Small.
0: Sergeant Small, who, again, would like to use his power to sexually harass a woman. It's a theme. <laughs> it's a theme. That's a very creepy exchange. She's, yeah. like, a, she's like a genius mechanic and, like, really into, into jets and planes and shit. And so they gave her kind of a cushy slave job of fixing all their ships and whatnot, right? Right. Yep. That's, that's what seems to be going on here. I would describe her energy at this point in the movie as nervous and Australian. Sure. <laughs> is that fair? Yeah. The whole movie has a very Australian energy to it. It kind of does, right? Yeah. It really kind of does. You know who Jet reminds me of? This is weird to say, but I'll say it. Why not? She reminds me of a lot of a friend of the show, Gwen. Okay.
1: Based from what I know about Gwen, that makes sense. That checks out.
0: Based on the video on her Twitter, I saw of her crying when she met Gerard Way. She gives me a very Jet girl energy. <laughs> totally.
1: There are like I feel like the, I feel like the 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 most of the Tank Girl characters kind of function as, like, patron saints of specific genres of female nerds.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yes. Absolutely. That's one of the most valuable things about its existence.
0: Then, okay, what about this weird Chiba Mata reference, where Tank Girl takes a powder shower, like in the video for Sugar Water? (laughs) That That was a really interesting scene. I couldn't get what was going on at first,
1: but, like, I think it was supposed to be, like... a a winking parody of, like, the stereotypical, like, sexy shower scene. But because, like, water is not a thing in this movie, we get instead, like, a... "Quote, sexy delousing scene," because that's what it is. It's a delousing chamber.
0: Yeah, and and we see her do this after we've seen her what her job is now, which is that she's like hard labor slave in the mines, right? Yep,
1: like picking up dirt, basically
0: picking up dirt. Picking uh, up and dirt. this time, this time to to sell the sexiness, they don't go with Bush. They play a Portishead song, and it works, which works much better. <laughs> works much better, I think. Yeah, <laughs> much much better. Yeah.
1: Uh, but and while Pink she's Carol, in the middle of this delousing scene, she overhears what's going on with jet girl and sergeant small and she rushes to jet girl's rescue
0: yeah and she 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 manages to prevent sergeant small from forcing himself on jet by forcing herself on jet (laughs) right and saying quit picking on my girlfriend and he's like ew lesbians
1: and runs away i don't know if it was ew lesbians or ew like clearly been abused like underfed slave covered in delousing powder
0: could be. I, yeah, it, it could have been either. I wouldn't yeah. put it past Sergeant Small to be a major homophobe, though. No, no. But that's how Jet Girl and Tank Girl meet. Yeah, they, they meet. They have a meet-cute. I, know, <laughs> I, I immediately love them. Yeah, yeah. They're a good team. They have, they have kind of uh, opposite energies, you know, and like mm-hmm. one's the smarts and one's the bronze. Makes a lot of sense.
1: One's an A-type, one's a B-type. Classic combo.
0: The odd couple. What do you make of this scene where Tank Girl just, like, casually sneaks into the armory after hours? Like, aren't they supposed to be slaves who are, like, under lock and key? Oh, know?
1: I just assumed that Tank Girl being Tank Girl, she could find her way around that kind of stuff.
0: That's a, that's a good point. So here, I don't know how I feel about this scene, though. So she, like, tries to steal a tank, and because she doesn't know how to override the security measures, it, like, tries to gas her...
1: Right, the chamber fills up with uh, cyanide gas.
0: But then the gas was not potent enough to kill her, and like jet bails her out, and she's like, come on, let's steal the tank. And she's like, no, I can't. And you see, you see uh, Kesley, you see Malcolm McDowell watching the whole thing, and like, sergeant small is like come on let's go get him he's like no no let's see how this plays out it's very weird (laughs) yeah it's the movie probably could have lost
1: like maybe like 15 or 20 minutes and i feel like here they're kind of just sticking around
0: especially because it's 20 minutes in and tank girl doesn't get her tank yet spoiler alert she doesn't get her tank here they're just like No. no sorry it's foreshadowing the tank the tank yet but we don't have it yet I do like that she's, like, immediately sort of, you know, almost sexually drawn to this tank, but it feels like, okay, well, then give her the tank. It's Tank Girl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But instead,
1: like you said, the WP catches them doing this, and they respond by banning Jet Girl from the hangar and taking away her special privileges, and throwing Tank Girl in solitary confinement in a freezer.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's a really good line delivery when, like... Kesley comes in all smug, knowing that she's definitely broken now that he's tortured her so good. Right, and she's freezing there in a straitjacket, and she just goes, "It's really hard for me to play with myself in this thing." That's great. (laughs) Maybe my favorite line in the movie. I love her. She's great. It's great, Uh, and you can see that that it's it's irritating Kesley that it's Mm -hmm. not working, that he can't break her. I also like that other line she did, by the way, in the scene before this, where uh, like Jet Girl is is. Stuttering, trying to explain why the tank won't work, and she's like, it, "The tank isn't." And, and the uh, Tank Girl's like, "Isn't what? Come on, one little adjective, and we'll have a whole sentence."
1: Yeah, it's not happy. It's not sad. <laughs>
0: good, very good.
1: But yeah, uh, still, still pissed that she won't work for them. Kesley decides to throw Tank Girl in. Uh, what is it called? The pipe. The pipe, which is a forty-meter tube that shrinks in size as it goes.
0: I guess he was banking on Tank Girl being claustrophobic, which she is. Right, because once she's in there, she has a claustrophobia-induced
1: flashback of the WP raiding her home and uh, killing her boyfriend and uh, kidnapping her friends and stuff like that.
0: Complete with some really weird, like, 1990s video editing effects that I'm... Yeah, it's very, very psychedelic. (laughs) Not sure how I feel. Weird. Kind of undercuts the emotional of it. But But I like the... She does sell the, like, sort of fear, and it's the first time... You know, Tank Girl doesn't seem like she's on top of everything, you know? right? Mm-hmm. So, what Kesley wants is to use like Tank Girl's like superpowers or something to help with this Ripper situation,
1: right? The Rippers are really the only thing standing in between them and getting that final like five percent of land.
0: But when he but when he finally lets her out of the pipe, although she's like visibly been through the shit, she still finds the the tenacity the the unbreakable spirit to like flip him off and he fucking gets real mad he, he 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 loses his cool, he cocks his gun and puts it at her head in anger and then she's very happy because it means she's won.
1: Right, she says I win and then she loses consciousness
0: um, and so her punishment now she'll be
1: basically being ripper bait, right? I think so because they take her along on this mission to kind of Try and locate the ripper hideout. I think that's what they're trying to do, right?
0: So they're gonna make her they put a they put a tr- like a, a tracking device on her leg. Yeah. Right? And they make her take a slow walk towards where they think the entrance should be.
1: Right. But before she can, the rippers appear out of nowhere and ambush them. Just start slaughtering really tearing the dudes apart. And in the ensuing so chaos, Jet Girl, who's there. Hijacks an airship,
0: and uh, and Tank Girl finally gets in a tank. Forty two minutes into the movie, Tank Girl, Tank Girl becomes Tank Girl. Great. <laughs> Here's a good place for us to play a game, right? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. You want to play uh, White Light with me?
1: Echo, 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 white light, white light. Right, because we've decided that a good thing to do would be come up with a uh, guerrilla themed drinking game
0: for the so, movies we watch. So I already know that even with just my three rules, it, it will be hard to make it through this movie alive. Yeah, so. me too, I think. <laughs> me too. So we've come up with, uh, with
1: with three three things you gotta do. You gotta take a drink when something happens, you gotta take a shot when something happens, and then you gotta finish your drink.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what's your take a drink?
1: My take a drink is whenever you see Jimmy Hewlett art.
0: Oh, congratulations, we have the same take a drink rule. A this is good, I like drink. this.
1: Synergy. What was your take a shot?
0: Let's see how far we get through this. My take a shot is when somebody is sexually harassed. (laughs) Mine's pretty close. It's whenever Tank Girl makes a sex joke. (laughs) Oh, cool. Great. You're definitely not getting out of this movie alive. Uh, No,
1: no. (laughs) But when are you finishing your drink?
0: Okay, your finish your drink moments. I think a perfect finish your drink rule in in a movie drinking game is something that should happen three times over the course of the film. Okay. So I went with when somebody's blood gets turned into water with that weird little device. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Right? Mine's
1: pretty close, but mine only happens two times. It's whenever the movie kicks into a full-on animated sequence, which is about to happen.
0: It's about to happen, like, right now when, we're, when we get back to the, the movie. But first, I'd like to talk to you guys about a little company we call Studio. Su-su-sudio. Should we mention
1: that they took their name from the Phil Collins song? <laughs> Well, we don't know that for sure. No, they say it in their
0: advertising. Oh, shit, that's sick. Awesome. That's yeah. a great song. Um, okay, Trevor, recently
1: I bought an elliptical machine. You know what those are, right? Right, they move your arms and your legs at the same time.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to take some pounds off. Uh, I love my elliptical. It's great. Here's my problem. I have a few pairs of in-the-ear headphones, and, and they each have their own problems. So either they fall out when I start exercising, or they're those kind that like form a really uncomfortable airtight seal in your ear that make it feel like your brain is gonna get like sucked out <laughs> yeah definitely uh so i was looking at, at all of the of all the studio headphones i'm like this one could really solve a problem for me and it, it legitimately has uh i'm talking about the tray that's the kind that i got it's their newest model and it's designed for an active lifestyle they're wireless uh, so you don't have to worry about them getting yanked out while you're doing your your workout they have nine hours of active battery life and, and 10 days of standby. So you could work out for a long time. I'm not going to work out for nine hours, Trevor. I'm sorry. But you could. I will work out for several days without having to charge my trays. That's pretty cool. The design has something that they call sound transparency, which is very smart. So, so instead of being like super noise counseling, they actually try to let you hear as much ambient noise through the headphone as possible so that while you're out on your jog, you won't get, you know, Hit by a bus or whatever—never, uh, never a good thing to happen to you during your workout. Definitely, but it, but the, it's not at the expense of sound qualities. The sound's still very loud, still very direct. Uh, and I also love that they have this is weird, but they have this like this little band that goes over your neck, Trevor, instead of in front like a like a weird necklace that's hanging out of your ears. Right. So that way you can take one headphone out and it won't fall to the floor because it's attached to the other one by a band but it's kind of like out of the way during your workout. It's a very smart solution, I think. And probably the coolest thing about it is that they have this wing tip that's like, I don't even know how to describe it. Imagine it like a soft sort of, not rubbery, but soft material uh, uh, shark fin shape that like kind of tucks into the little uh, crevice in your uh, in your ear that holds the headphone in place. Uh, and I was like, does this thing even work? But I, I tell you, Trevor, I like shook my head back and forth from side to side for long enough to give myself a headache and they stayed in. They're really, really good. If it's
1: anything like I'm imagining, it's functional and comfortable.
0: It's functional and comfortable and it looks badass. It's stylish I, look,
1: too. That's the best thing about studio headphones, right?
0: For sure. I got mine in, in classic blue. They are probably the coolest looking wearable item of my own. Probably. <laughs> that's That's the studio
1: promise, baby.
0: For sure, go to studio.com, take a look at the tray, uh, take a look at all the other models that uh, they have on the website, and when you decide uh, what you're going to get, don't forget to use the offer code GORILLAS at checkout with a Z for 15% off your order. GORILLAS, of course, with a Z. That's uh, studio.com, offer code GORILLAS with a Z. Studio, designing sound. Hey. Now back to our feature presentation. It's cartoon time, buddy. Yeah, because...
1: Well, not quite, because we kind of we, we wake up in the midst of this Ripper attack, uh, Tank Girl comes to, and everyone's real fucked up, including Kesley, who's missing an arm. <laughs> yeah, she sees Kesley's detached arm in the sand, which is a great touch. With, uh, with the tracker for her uh, homing device on it, too.
0: Very good. And then she's, like, combing through the melee uh, and all the dead bodies. She sees her tank. Well, first, Jet Girl shows up. Oh, yeah, that's true. Sorry, I'm a little out of order here. So Jet Girl... You're really, jet you're Girl, really rare when he gets in this tank. Because it's fucking... It's been... It, because it's been almost an hour. Jet Girl shows up in a, in a jet. Right. Jet Girl gets her jet before Tank Girl gets her tank?
1: Yeah, yeah. But she's like, hey, let's go. We're going to split. I'm done being a prisoner. We're going to get out of here. And she says, I'll take the jet. You take the tank. Tank Girl gets in her tank, and the movie goes full on... Jamie Hewlett animation.
0: And it's like super Looney Tunes, super Tex Avery, a little yeah. bit of John Kay situation here. Where and like, it's like a good like full minute or so, right? Definitely. It's very fluid. It's limited color. Um, but, the, but the animation is really, really detailed, really beautiful. I think it's really cool. I'm glad they decided to
1: do this. And I'm, I'm glad they decided to include all the Jamie Hewlett artwork that they ended up putting into the movie.
0: I agree. I mean, it, it certainly is a gorillas fan. It's one of the main attractions here, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's some really cool shots like when they, they, you know, careen the tank off of a cliff and their faces are all stretching back uh, from the skin and like, yeah, it's really fun. It's a lot of Jack
1: fun. Jet Girl calls uh, Tank Girl Becky because her real name is Rebecca. I don't think we've mentioned that. But she calls her Becky, which is a great little fan-shipping moment, I think. It's not clear when
0: she learns Tank Girl's name. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it's appropriate that we forgot to bring it up initially.
0: That's true. Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, uh, big thumbs up for this animated sequence. If you if you don't feel like you have the the endurance to go back and watch all the Tank Girl, you can find both of the cartoon sequences on YouTube. So yeah, do that, that doesn't
1: surprise me. That might be. That, you might be fine sticking to those.
0: You probably would be okay, unless you, unless you want to, you know, have some weird 90s fun, like we're yeah. having right now. <laughs> so, after
1: the animated sequence, we, yeah, we go back to WP, Kessley is real fucked up, and he's got this weird, creepy doctor who's going to give him a robot arm.
0: Yeah, the doctor's uh, name is Chait Tsai, and he's going to rebuild him in exchange for 100,000 liters of water. And this dumb lady doctor who they're making fun of is like, there's nothing we can do. We can't fix him. And as punishment for, for that, she gets stabbed in the back with the thing that turns your blood into water. Yep. And you take a drink. Finish your drink. <laughs> you finish your drink? Sorry. I'm so confused about this next scene, dude.
1: Me too, because all of a sudden, Tank Girl and Jet Girl are in Subgirl's, like, uh, garage or something. Subgirl is the third girl, right? Right, but
0: she's only in this one scene. She was originally supposed to be played by Bjork, I read. That's. I also read that, and I read Jamie Hewlett saying that like much more of her is in the original cut of the film, but was taken out by MGM. Interesting. She was recast as Anne Cusack, who I enjoyed seeing pop up here. I think she's atrocious here. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. her acting is like. Way off the mark. Maybe I would have like come around to understand it if she was in more than one scene. But no, yeah, this is it.
1: All all that really happens here too is that they learn that Sam is working in this sex club in what's the name of the town? Uh, the Liquid Silver. The Liquid Silver.
0: But do we know that it's a sex club yet, or is that saved later? I can't remember. Later. I think that that's revealed down the road. But but it's also we we also find out like mid surgery because it cuts back to. Water and power at some point to see a little bit of of kessley's surgery, we find out that they're like they took the bait and they're on the way to liquid silver. Does that mean subgirl was like working for them i think i, I think the bait is just sam okay that they, they just hope that somehow
1: tank girl would find out I guess so i don't think so I don't think subgirl is supposed to be like a traitor or something because she says that she's working against w p two and she only kind of agrees to help them after learning that. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe she could have been a double agent.
0: But the the other scene is also nonsense because meanwhile we get this really crazily edited edited like montage of tank girl and jet girl sprucing up the tank. Right.
1: Which is like a fully functioning tank. It's frenetically edited. It's yeah. it's like
0: cutting between Jamie Hewlett art and like two different costume changes from tank girl are happening at once. Uh we keep cutting back and forth between them, and it's very unclear for me exactly what's being communicated here. Like, we don't get a really clear shot of before or after.
1: We, we know that they dress up the tank
0: and kind of kit it out. Yes, but we still never get, like, a clear shot of this is now what Tank Girl's tank looks like. We get weird, like, close-ups and swooping up shots and a shot where she's standing in front of the tank and covering up most of it because it's so close to her. I don't know, man. It's a weird sequence. Also, are we to, are we supposed to think that also the jet gets fixed up here? Because later, Jet Girl has a really tricked-out jet, but I don't remember seeing it here.
1: I think this is where we see the tricked-out jet for the first
0: time. I remember seeing it come out of the hangar. Oh, okay, okay. This, this whole scene needed to be reworked, and I understand that this movie was Frankenstein together, and that maybe they needed to cut a bunch of Subgirl shit out or something, but like, I, I left this whole sequence being like, okay, I, whatever. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they had to liquid silver. So I guess now is when Tank Girl decides that it's time to tackle the issue of, of child sex trafficking.
1: Well, they go to rescue Sam.
0: Yep. Uh, liquid silver is like a Spice Girls aquatic brothel where ladies dance to Bjork songs. Right. Tank Girl like ransacks the... the the AI controlled sex worker wardrobe in a kind of fun looking scene, and then we,
1: uh, and then we see Sam is in the clutches of a of a patron known as Ratface,
0: who's played mm-hmm. by Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop in a, in a cameo, and another cameo gets a much like bigger whoop de doo which is, do you remember that super crazy establishing, like Quentin Tarantino style establishing character shot of the Madam? Yes. They're like the Madam and she's in the movie for now? that's that's the lead singer of Bong Water. Oh, weird. <laughs> uh she's in the movie for like a minute and a half. Why does she get that crazy that crazy intro? Here's where we really start to feel like, at least in my opinion, like MGM saw blades are all over this fucking thing.
1: Right. Probably. And they were just kind of like looking for set
0: pieces to big up because maybe they felt like things were a little thin. I don't know. (laughs) The confusion continues, though, because, okay, so Tank Girl and Jet reunite. There's a great moment where where Jet is being uh, perved on by Iggy Pop, right? And she's like... Sam, you mean? Yeah, sorry, where Sam is being perved on by by Iggy Pop, who's playing like a grimy pedophile, and she's like, don't steal my silver, mister. It's all my money. And he's like, oh, I want your money. And he pulls it out, and and it's the fucking little ball, and she activates it, and it stabs him in the hand, the one that she... (laughs) That was pretty good yeah parted from Tank Girl earlier. That was fun. Yeah, but then they okay. Then they reunite. Tank Girl and Jet Girl and Sam reunite, and and Tank Girl takes the Madam at Razor Point uh, to get out of the liquid silver. But they don't get out of the liquid silver, do they, Trevor? No.
1: Instead, she chooses to humiliate the Madam by forcing her to sing Cole Porter's
0: old jazz standard, "Let's Do It." By forcing her to sing the first fifteen seconds of it but then deciding that she just wants to perform the song herself for some reason. And then we get a musical number. (laughs) Where Take Girl performs a Cole Porter song along with all of the prostitutes and Johns who sing along and dance in a choreographed dance. The 90s were a weird time, Trevor. I gotta say,
1: though, if something like this happened in the middle of a Marvel movie, I'd be thrilled.
0: (laughs) Well, it kind of did in that first Captain America movie, right? Kind of. That did
1: have a musical number. But maybe I was so forgiving of a lot of these more oddball choices and some of the poor editing. Because, like, in a world where every, like, half a year we get the same Marvel movie but with a different character, it's cool to see a comic book adaptation actually doing things, like, so differently.
0: I... (sighs) I don't know if I can go with you here. Here, Here's maybe if it was anywhere else than here in the movie. But the problem is that because Tank Girl decides to have this full production musical number, they get it. it her plan fails. Yeah. It, she might have gotten away with this shit if she hadn't stopped. If it wasn't for those meddling kids. To, if she hadn't have stopped to sing a Cole Porter song for no reason. Like, because then Water and Power is like, OK, let's get him. And then they bust in. And, like, they, they kidnap Sam again, and and uh, Tank Girl's like, no, as they're taking It's like, you did this.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the smartest move.
0: You did, why did you decide to do this? Why did you have to sing this cold Porter? By the way, one of the pieces of trivia that I read about this movie was that that musical number was four minutes longer before MGM started cutting it down. Wow. <laughs> what, do of, what, what do you think Jamie thought of that sequence? I think he, it probably would have been one of his favorite in the movie, right? Because I imagine it, so, right? Yeah, it's it's very in the spirit of his sort of wacky old timey non sequitur shit, right?
1: Definitely. Do you think we were originally before MGM started taking its sublights to it? Do you think we were originally going to get a much weirder, much more Hewlett production?
0: It's possible. I mean, it, I think it, it, the problem started before tape rolled, though. I think I think he the script got out of his control pretty quickly, so. You know, and the version of the of the movie that MGM didn't just like cut to shit probably was more hulity, but probably not as hulity as like his several rewrites were. You know, right? I think that's probably a realistic take. We also see uh, a little bit of Kesley, just his arm, which looks a lot like Shredder's from Ninja Turtles
1: or the claw from uh, Inspector Gadget.
0: Well, that really starts to be the the comparison once we've figure out that the movie is avoiding showing us his face and only showing us his one metal arm yeah is that a direct is it supposed to be a direct reference do you think or could be who knows i I, what year was inspector gadget this was 95 it was like late 80s was when the cartoon started i'm pretty sure yeah
1: but after that sequence uh tank girl and jet girl decide to find the rippers because if they're going to take on wp they're going to need an army
0: yeah, which is weird, because what does Tank Girl know about the Rippers at this point, other than that they're, like, demons that that rip people's organs out? But they only attack WP. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If she put that together, which she doesn't say in the dialogue, but if she's put it together, which I wouldn't put it past her, then it makes some sound. Mm-hmm. Jet seems a little less convinced that it's a good idea, though.
1: Right, but even as she's reluctant, they end up stumbling upon their headquarters, and we meet the Rippers.
0: Okay, so they look like kangaroo men, and... Yep. This permutation of them, for sure, looks like it's straight out of a weird Tumblr fetish blog, right?
1: Definitely. And this was, they were, I know that they worked really hard to humanize the Rippers. Because they're, like, apparently distinctly more kangaroo-esque in the comics. But they were really worried, MGM was really worried about depicting a bestial relationship between tank girl, and one of the Rippers who she ends up developing a romantic interest in.
0: That that worry would cause them to make the cut in the film that angered Jamie Hewlett the most, but we'll get there. We'll get there, right. Trevor.
1: I, I think I know what one you're talking about. It has a very interesting prosthetic body part in it.
0: It does. Let's meet the Rippers. The main ones are DT, who's like the cool-headed, erudite one, who's played by Reggie Cathy, who you might know from The Wire or from uh, House of Cards. He's got that sort of like cool elder black man vibe to him. You he know? plays
1: saxophone and recites beat poetry.
0: You got Booga. He's the dumb one uh, right. played by Jeff Cobra from the walking dead. Uh, you got Donner. Who's the creepy pervy one, because there's always got to be a creepy perv in this movie uh, in every scene or else. It's They're not all kind of
1: creepy pervs,
0: but, but Donner is definitely the main one. He's yeah. the one who's like humping people and like, yeah. let's strip them. And you know, for sure. Uh, the rest of them are, are seem to be creepy curves in the way that like an all-male military force who's been living underground for years might be. But Donner yeah. kind of like makes horniness his main brand. And then there's finally uh T Saint, who's played by Ice T. He's the hothead. Yeah. Ice T of motherfucking body count. You know, Trevor, I used to I used to live I used to uh when I was in Eugene in college, I worked at the campus radio station. And at the top of every hour we'd have to play a station ID. And I figured out that in the early '90s, Ice T had recorded one where he said, "This is Ice T from Body Count. You're listening to KWVA. Don't touch that dial or rip your arms off and beat you to death with them." And so I'd Jeez. only play that one every at the top of every hour.
1: <laughs> he really wanted you to listen to that radio
0: station. He really did. What do you what do you make of Ice T in this movie? I mean, he's not he doesn't have a lot to do. Definitely not second billing. No. He doesn't even turn
1: out to be the main Ripper, really. No, no. Booga does, yeah. really.
0: Yeah. He's probably, he's arguably not even as prominent as, as, uh, as DT. No. He's kind of like on Donner status, really.
1: Yeah, but, but T-Sane is immediately suspicious of the girls, and so they decide that in order for them to prove their mettle. They're going to help them capture a shipment of weapons.
0: There's a really good scene before that where they're back in their little prison, which for some reason is full of bowling balls. I don't quite understand why.
1: That was a great shot, though. I loved that.
0: But Booga, the dumb one, is their guard, right? And he immediately wins me over when the girls attempt to trick him into letting them out of the prison by offering him sex, but he misunderstands and wants them to get him baseball cards instead. Right. It's like the first time that a male character in a position of power has not immediately used it to try to coerce somebody into having sex with them. <laughs> Definitely, Booga just wants his baseball cards. Yeah, and he explains that that Johnny Prophet, the man who uh, who they all sort of worship at the altar of their leader, uh, had created them as super soldiers for the war by by experimenting with kangaroo DNA, and that after the war, uh, Kesley and Water and Power demanded that uh, he poisoned them, but instead he sort of secreted them underground. Because he liked them. And apparently he left to go to New Zealand to try to turn uh, uh, seawater into drinkable water. But we'll find out what happened to him in a bit. We do. is B- likable, don't you think?
1: is great. He's probably, he's like, uh, I would say he's my third favorite character after the two girls.
0: After the two girls? I would agree. Although I do like Kesley for his sort of over-the-top uh supervillainness. He's know? great.
1: He's great as well. I actually think this next sequence is pretty funny, though.
0: The recon mission, yeah.
1: Because uh, in order to do this recon mission, Tank Girl and Jet Girl kind of sneak up to the WP employees, kind of handling the weapons under the guys that they're here to shoot, like a uh, workers of WP Men's Calendar.
0: Right. The best part about this scene is Naomi watches Jet Girl getting really into her role. I thought that was great. Her getting really into taking the pictures. That was she's really like, funny. She's like, because they find these like you know chubby shipment dudes who work for water and power and they're all like, kind of grimy like you know blue collar dudes and uh and they're and the the dudes by the the story hook line and sinker they love the idea of being sexy calendar boys and so she's naomi watts has the the picture the the camera which is like streaming every picture they take back to the the rippers And they're like, what's going on? Because these dudes are, like, dancing for her while she's... But she gets really into it. She's like, yeah, yeah, open up that coat. Show me those tits. Yeah. Great. It's so good. (laughs) And we get a lot of great
1: Jamie sketches of the actual workers, like, on the calendar, too. You say a lot, but
0: I think it's just the same three that they keep showing over and over Yeah,
1: yeah, it is recycled, isn't it?
0: (laughs) But they are fun drawings, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then we kind of cut straight to... Tank girl ambushing the shipment, right?
1: Right, because the uh, the rippers decide it's not enough just to get the pictures to prove their loyalty. They want the girls to get the shipment and bring it back to their headquarters.
0: It see this really feels like more of a job for the rippers, considering they're genetically modified super soldiers. But whatever, Tank Girl
1: does have a tank though, and she uses it to get the weapons pretty well.
0: I love that shot of her, Trevor, like fucking hang like on a surfboard on her on her tank
1: cannon. That was great, and pulling up right alongside the truck and sticking its turret into the uh, into the windows, I thought Very that was good. great. Yeah, Very really good. good. So she captures the weapons, making like making sure that they don't plummet off the cliff that they're racing up towards. That's a really cool scene.
0: Yeah, she like unhooks the trailer from it, and it's still like maybe going to careen off the edge, but in the nick of time, Booga shows up uh, yep. and like helps keep the the trailer itself from from falling over the cliff. And I think it's very sweet and very, you know, ahead of its time in feminist that he he says, I know you probably didn't need my help, but I got here as fast as I could.
1: Sure. Good old Booga. Booga's a good guy. He's a great guy.
0: And then we have like a like a post victory celebration scene. A little bit. We get a we
1: get a poem from the leader of the Rippers and a little saxophone solo.
0: What do you make of this prayer dance sequence?
1: I was honestly I was a little spaced out at this point.
0: Okay, so what happens is that the DT is like, okay, so let's pray. Yeah. And then Tank Girl kind of like acts like she's gonna say grace or whatever, you know, closes their eyes and puts their hands together. But all the Rippers get into this circle and perform like a highly choreographed tribal dance. To I thought that was
1: pretty cool. I enjoyed that.
0: And then Tank Girl's like, come on, let's let's also dance. And then Tank Girl partners off with Booga and they and they kind of dance together, but. Donner and Jet Girl partnered up, and he just like starts aggressively humping her. Yeah,
1: that wasn't as cool.
0: Not as Not cool. Not as cool. And, and Tank Girl's like, come on, have fun! It's like, dude, look out yeah. for your friend. Look out for your friend here, right? She's got this weird kangaroo mutant all over her. Uh, I've mostly been avoiding talking about Tank Girl's outfits because she changes clothes in literally every scene, which we haven't mentioned yet. Right, but here we finally get that iconic missile bra. It's, it's worth mentioning. Yeah. The, the missile bra reveal is a, is a good moment. And this is a good scene, right? This is a sweet little romantic scene between her and Booga, don't you think?
1: Mm-hmm. Where... I know that the relationship between the two of them was kept out of the script until the very, very final draft, reportedly because they wanted everybody on the team to, like, get to know Booga as a person first.
0: Yeah, Before definitely. just writing
1: him in as this animal love interest.
0: Definitely. and And... This is, I think, a pretty effective scene where they're looking at this mural of one of Johnny Prophet's visions, and it's this vision of, like, water cascading down from the sky and covering everybody. They make bedroom eyes at each other, Trevor, and then the film fades to black, thanks Mm -hmm. to (laughs) Metro-Goldwyn-Meyer. Probably. Apparently, Trevor, there was something very notable that happened behind that fade to black. What was that? Well, apparently there was a five thousand dollar giant prosthetic ripper dick in the movie at one point. <laughs> that that didn't make it into the final cut? They cut it from the movie. MGM was gun shy about the giant prosthetic ripper dick. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Jamie was pissed about that. <laughs> Jamie Hewlett must he he admittedly he verbally said that it, he'd never been angry in his life. I bet he wanted to cancel the entire project. I'm sure, but he, it was too late. He'd already, you know, the ink had dried. Yeah. Uh, would this movie be better if it had a giant ripper dick in it? It wouldn't be worse. I feel like there, we're already, it's everything in the kitchen sink, right? We're there, right? Let's just, just show us the big weird kangaroo man dick at that point, right? Show us the full Monty. I, and, and
1: besides, I heard that scene was, uh, to quote the Wikipedia article, carefully edited. <laughs>
0: So I don't know how much you would have even seen. Right. Probably just a couple of like silhouette swings, you know? Just the tip, maybe. Who knows? I think the tip is probably the part that they really would avoid. That is probably the worst part. Speaking
1: of the worst part of the movie, the final the final act kind of fell apart for me.
0: Oh, I completely agree. I think from yeah. here it's kind of a mess. So so yeah. um the shipment is revealed here to have been a setup. It's a weird choice of, of editing, because it's like yeah, let's celebrate. Let's spend the night together. Now let's go see what we stole. Right? Yeah. There's something kind of weird about that. So, most of the crates are full of dirt, um, and then one of them, Trevor, contains the body of <laughs> oh, I do it, Johnny Prophet. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and the and the Rippers are very mournful. They're wailing. Horrible. And we do get a great Dr. Claw shot of Kesley hearing the audio of the Rippers, uh, wailing and, and giggling to himself so you know he's evil you want to play a game before we talk about this last 20 minutes of nonsense sure we've got one left right people people
1: in which we recast the movie
0: if if we were like rebooting it you know for for 2018 in my opinion anyway right Get the we've kids chosen to, go. to
1: instead of doing the entire cast Decided to stick with like five principal characters, right? Okay, yeah.
0: You wanna do let's who first? Who first? I think
1: I think we should start with the lead, right? Tank girl. Played in this version by Laura Petty, who have you got filling in the role?
0: I think there's only one woman in twenty eighteen who can capture her weird street streetwise rough around the edges energy. And that is Danielle Brigoli, the Cash Me Outside girl. Interesting.
1: I went with uh I went with the star of another famously poorly edited. Uh, comic book adaptation, Margot Robbie.
0: Oh, sure, Suicide Squad. I think that yeah. that's a that's kind of a no brainer. You know, Harley I think Quinn, she'd be great. Harley Quinn has it has a very tank girl energy. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, who next?
1: Jack Girl? Jack Girl, I think, would be a good one to go second. Who did you pick for this one to replace Naomi Watts?
0: I wanted to pick somebody else who's, like, kind of too good for the movie she's in, and so you're not sure why she's in it, and also somebody with an accent. Sure. Uh, so I eventually settled on Dame Judi Dench. (laughs) Kind of old. (laughs) But prestige. That's what we're going for here, Sure, sure.
1: I went with just another, like, quiet, bookish lesbian, uh,
0: Kristen Stewart. Perfect. Perfect, Kristen yep. Stewart. Yep. Very good. Uh, although I don't think she's quite as likable as Naomi Watts, but whatever. I, I like her a lot. t Saint was hard for me. Me too. I ended up kind of going with a joke. So I wanted a rapper, and I was having a really hard time thinking of current day MCs who are like known for that angry, aggressive delivery in the way that Ice T was. And if any and
1: if our Judy Dench casting
0: tells us anything, you want to stay current. The hot, you know, young, young yep. people like yep. Dame Judy Dench. So I eventually realized there's really only one man for the job, in my opinion, and that is MC Ride of Death Grips. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. Right? <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun. Have you heard his speaking voice? It's so quiet and timid. It's very quiet, but I'm hoping that he could, he could you know, yeah. really kick it up for this yep. role. You know? Yeah. I'm a kangaroo. Yeah, that'd be great.
1: <laughs> what do you got? Who do you got? I decided to replace Ice-T. With Ice
0: Cube, because he acts as well, and he's and yeah, he's he's still in all kinds of studio movies all the time. Yeah, definitely, so that makes sense. He can still pull out the the aggro, right? Totally. I
1: mean, he was in that movie with um. What was that movie where he was a cop? Ride along? Was that yeah? Ride along?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that's just
1: like? Do you think that's just irony, or do you think he's laughing all the way to the bank? Him being the rapper who wrote the song "Fuck the Police."
0: I think. I think if it was ever ironic, it was ironic a decade ago. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and we're firmly in the post-irony phase of Ice T's acting career. Ice Cube's acting career.
1: Do you wanna? (laughs) Do you wanna recast another Ripper and talk about uh, Booga?
0: Yeah, I knew I needed somebody who exudes dumbness. And also, earlier in the movie, they mentioned that Bugo used to be a dog. Okay. So I wanted an actor who who I thought was dumb enough and also had a dog-like energy. Uh, so I went with Logan Paul, <laughs> controversial YouTuber yeah. who filmed that dude who hung himself. Uh, you know, <laughs> for his documented low IQ and also his, like, yellow Labrador energy... And because
1: I know you just really hope that guy gets a second act.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say I am right, concerned
1: that, that that whole that whole controversy went down. You were really in his corner. I remember feeling really <laughs> weird about that. What are you
0: about talking that. about?
1: You were like <laughs> uh, he was just trying to you know show real stuff. But <laughs> yeah, if you I think, think if you think showing up in a tank all reboot is going to reboot his career, I'm all for it. I think he's
0: it. a. I think he's like he's the true spirit of journalism. <laughs> he's one of the, he's one of
1: today's most daring content creators.
0: Uh, I, I will say I definitely realize that the block here is that he's not going to be able to sell this character's sweet side (laughs) at all. Uh, but you know, we'll fix that in the writing. We'll fix that in the writing. You can fix that in post. What do you got for Booga?
1: I have, um, one of my actual favorite, like current working actors from Atlanta and the, uh, Netflix's Death Note adaptation. Oh shit. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but. Lakith
0: Stanfield. I know who you're talking about right now. He
1: plays Darius in Atlanta. He played Snoop Dogg, Gorilla's family member in Straight Outta Compton. In Atlanta, enough. he's
0: like a really funny, super space case, and he definitely is in a similar category of Booga's character. He walks
1: the line between being like really seemingly dumb and very wise in a cosmic way, kind of like 2D almost. Yeah, he's a, he's a very 2D like presence on Atlanta. That's a great yeah. choice.
0: That's a great yeah. choice for Booga. And I uh, think that
1: leaves uh, Kesley as our final recast. Yeah,
0: I, I'm really proud of my choice. Okay, who do you got? <laughs> I want somebody who can be insane and evil and overact like a weirdo. But I also feel guilty that in a Naomi Wattsless reboot of this movie, we no longer have any token Australian actors in this movie. Okay. So I think the choice is clear. Kessley will be played by Ben Mendelsohn. I, he was like my second choice. It should have been your first, because he's the best choice. He's great.
1: He's great. Um, my first one is, I feel like, almost just as obvious. I think a great choice would be um, Anthony Hopkins.
0: Hopkins is great. Hopkins, yep. is, I mean, obviously, if he was still alive, Dennis Hopper could have done this role really lovely, I yep. think. Definitely. Um, but I think, you know, keep the Gorillas connection alive. Get Ben Mendelsohn in there. Sure.
1: Definitely. He's really been getting all of those big, like, corporate executive roles lately, too. Like, he was the villain in... Ready Player One, Ready which player is basically one. the
0: same thing as this, yeah. Pretty much the same thing, right? Pretty much the same movie. Maybe we could even, like, you know, get him drunk and have him come up with his own dialogue like he did on Humans. Yeah. Let's get let's
1: get back to the movie, though, and talk about the third act of Tank Girl. Not my not my favorite part of the film, but I think most comic adaptations kind of fall apart in the third
0: act. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like third acts in general. It's It's always very, like, boom, boom, pow, pow. Oh, no, they're not going to make it. Yeah, they made it.
1: Yeah, so the third act of Ten Girls mainly comprised of the sequence where they attack uh, the Water and Power headquarters.
0: It, the movie doesn't think it's necessary to spell out why they're doing this now, but I guess it's revenge for killing Johnny Prophet,
1: I guess? And, and to rescue Sam.
0: And yeah, I that guess. was the, the original goal for, for yeah. the girls, right? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, T-Saint's very annoyed that the Rippers are listening to Jet and Tank. But they kind of put him in his place, don't they? They do. But then there's a, but then there's a very, there's a very like, through the looking glass moment, Trevor, where that scene where Tank Girl is, like, shooting people up from her parachute, and there's an Ice-T song about Tank Girl on the soundtrack. That was pretty great, though. Canonically, I like to believe that that's T-Saint the Ripper rapping. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: He's, he's like, he's, yeah, rapping that over their, like, uh, walkie-talkies or something.
0: Yeah, and there's some good lyrics in this song that I looked up on YouTube afterwards. Uh, the most venomous feminist, homie, she ain't soft. You give her trouble, then she might cut her head off. Perfect. And then later he goes, ejaculation of my projectile, she's buck wild. <laughs> there's a lot of good songs on this soundtrack, though. Like, there's two really good York tracks. I mean, you know heavily licensed tie-in movie soundtracks were so big in the 90s. You remember? Like, almost all of the really memorable music videos from the latter half of the 90s have clips of movies in them because they're tie-in songs for movies. Did you
1: see who covered uh, Let's Do It by Cole Porter for the soundtrack? (laughs) Yeah, it was Joan Jett. And Paul Westerberg
0: of The Replacements. <laughs> really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. This is the moment where Jet finds like the inner strength to shout T-Saint down. Right. Which kind of feels like really the conclusion of her arc in this movie. Well,
1: there's a bit more of a more important moment coming up. But this is a big one in terms of Jet's character development, I guess.
0: Yeah, where like she starts in as this like timid, nervous lady, and then she's like, "Fuck you, Ice T. I got a bigger dick," you know. Right, and she still has one more
1: thing to do before her arc is complete, but we'll get to that.
0: Then we're you know then we're in the compound, and there's a lot of guys running with guns, hop 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 hop, and a lot of yeah uh, people fighting, and then and then they realize that they want the lights off because that's rippers are better at fighting in the dark or something, something like that. So DT like heroically sacrifices himself. By storming the line of fire to cut the power, and the and he's killed. Rest in peace, DT. Mm-hmm. Falling in the line of battle. Then the the rippers are impassioned by the death of their leader, and they slaughter a bunch of troops. And uh, I love the <laughs> the super contrived. Uh, so in order to to create a ticking time bomb of stakes, uh, Kesley puts Sam, the little kidnapped girl, back into the pipe. Remember the pipe from earlier. That very long pipe that he put Tank Girl in, and and decides that he's going to drown it, drown her in it, but do it very slowly so that yeah. there's time for Tank Girl to rescue her. <laughs> he doesn't say that's the reason, but that's the reason. Classic supervillain stuff, though, for sure. Very, very Bond, you know. Yeah. Okay, so then we have this weird moment where Tank Girl hears Sam's voice pleading for her, right? Where, he's, where she's like, "Help." Rebecca, I'm drowning. Remember? And then yep. there's a very silly reveal where we see that the voice is coming out of... And we, by the way, we haven't seen Kesley's face yet, right? We've, they've been blocking his head every time. He's right? just been the claw. He's just been the claw. And then you see him, finally, and he's making the voice because he has, like, cybernetic power now or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's still just Malcolm McDowell with, like, a little scar on his face. Yeah. Not
1: the, not the hypest reveal.
0: Not the most hype reveal. Later, we find out that his head is a hologram, which is kind of cool.
1: But that would have been a bigger reveal, like, showing, like, if they had shown it when we first saw the character
0: again. Right? Like, if you just yeah. seen a headless man with, like, Malcolm McDowell's face, like, slowly booting up or something, that something would have been cool. Something like that.
1: That would have been pretty neat. Or if it was his body with, like, a recording of Sam yelling for help, and then it, like, turned into his face.
0: Yeah. That'd be neat. Kesley also reveals that that... This was his master plan the whole time, and then he had microphones all over Tank Girl's body uh, so that he could spy on the Rippers. But that doesn't make sense, because why would his plan be to listen to them decide to attack Water and Power and then let them attack Water and Power?
1: Well, you know, villains love changing the, like, moving the goalposts and saying things that (laughs) were their plan the entire time, you know? Like, oh, all according to plan. Yeah. Actually, they did this. All according
0: to plan. (laughs) But also to make that reveal less confusing, Trevor, shouldn't just the the crates that they stole have had microphones on them? That would have made sense, too. You've had secret microphones on you the whole time? (laughs) Because she changes clothes every scene, Trevor, sometimes multiple times per scene well you know what can you do it was
1: a movie that was written three or four times that's true that's a good point <laughs> several
0: of those times by jamie hewlett apparently
1: i do like this moment in the climactic face-off though where jet girl gets to take out sergeant small the second in command of kesley who was uh harassing her at work before she even escaped a tank girl
0: i think it's the only f-bomb in the
1: movie yeah he says fuck me and then she shoots him in the head and says for the last time I don't want
0: to, which is a great feminist moment. Very good. Very good. Big thumbs up for that. But my confusion is why, why were they like gun shy with the swearing? Did they actually think that they might get a PG 13 out of this movie? Who knows? Pretty weird. Pretty weird. Uh, I also like this moment where tank girl does a Muhammad Ali impression when she's about to fight Kesley. you know, I'm the greatest. I'm so, I'm so beautiful. (laughs) Very good. That's great. Do you think any of that stuff was improv on her part? I would definitely give her some credit for that because she yeah. really, i you know, I can't say it enough. She's Bugs Bunny. She's like, she's got that perfect loony chaotic energy here. Very chaotic good.
1: A classic chaotic good type.
0: Classic chaotic good. Uh, I, I also like this dynamic here of Kesley at this point really only wanting Tank Girl to admit that he won. Yep. I like that she got under his skin that bad. But I'm very confused when Tank Girl's tank shows up and appears to be a sentient AI.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was I was really lost in this hole in the last like fifteen minutes of this movie. And she was like shooting she wasn't she like shooting beer cans at him
0: too. Cause it ran out of ammo. So yeah. So the tank shows up right when it seems like uh Kesley's got her right where he wants her. And she's like, ha ha ha. And manages to push him into an electric, like, fence-like thing, which, like, overrides his robot arm. Because the whole problem was, she can punch him in the head, but his head's a hologram. So how's she gonna beat him, Trevor? But then the tank just shows up with nobody behind it, and then she's like, what what are you waiting for? Blast him away. And then the tank makes, like, a... Like a sad robot noise.
1: Like an R2-D2 sound.
0: Yeah, and then shanks its cannon back and forth as if to say, I can't, right? And then she's like, oh, did you run out of ammo? And it's like, yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) What?
1: That's a. I think that's a fun, wacky, goofy detail to add into the climax at the last minute with no precedence. I think that's kind of fun, actually. I wouldn't. Have- it's very uh, FLCL. In fact, like a lot of Tank Girl's characterization is very similar to the one of the main characters in that anime. I think.
0: Oh, I have a question. Did you happen to watch this movie on headphones? No. There's a moment right before Sergeant Small like uh, decides that he's going to turncoat and run away, and right before he gets ambushed by. Uh, and intercepted by Jack girl where he's looking around and you like hear slaughter happening to all of the, the guards, uh, off in the distance as the Rippers are killing them. Right. Yeah. And it's like this background sound effect of like, "Ah, ah, ah," you know, mayhem or whatever. But for some fucking reason, the sound effect is like quickly cutting back and forth between the left and right channels of the audio track, weird, like a fucking guitar solo in a psychedelic rock song or something. a lot of tremolo on it. Very weird. I don't know why on earth that would have been a choice. I, I can't imagine.
1: Uh, you could say that about a lot of things in this movie,
0: though. It's true. Uh, so, yeah, shoots him with beer cans, and then ironically, Trevor, the president of water and power is, is done in for when a bucket of water spills on him. Right. Much like the Wicked Witch of the West. Very good. Meanwhile, Sam still hasn't drowned yet. <laughs> And Tank Girl rescues her. Yep. Uh, And uh, it kind of looks like all is lost, Trevor, when a bunch of guards catch up to Sam and Tank. But then it's revealed that things that don't make sense had happened, because Booga shows up in front of them, right? So they, like, run up to the girls, and they're like, freeze! And they're like, "Uh uh-oh. And then Tank Girl's like, all right, well, I had a nice life. And she's accepting her death or whatever. Right. And then Booga's like, it's okay, they're under my control, or whatever he says. And I'm like, what? And then he says, I took the bullets out of their gun. What? Yeah, I missed that too. What was what? going on there? Uh, I wish I had an answer for you, but, uh, but here's, here's the timeline of events, as I can tell, based on this line of dialogue, Trevor. Okay. Booga, while all the Rippers were killing water and power found a troop of them, and decided to take the bullets out of their guns, either with or without their knowledge and approval. Then they intercepted Tank Girl and didn't try to shoot her, just cocked their guns. But then he was like, I took their bullets away. And then for some reason, they just stand there and watch the rest of the scene. Right. Instead of running or trying to attack them with their guns. The climax really baffled me. It's very confusing. It's right. very, very confusing, but you don't have to think about it too long because then another cartoon happens. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Uh, tank Girl and Booga embrace. They turn animated, and then we get a quick animated sequence of them blasting off in her tank.
0: You, you even get that cool shot of, of all the water uh, coming down, just like in Johnny Prophet's vision. Yeah, was that was a was nice, a nice touch. touch. I liked that a lot. You get the pop-punkified version of Cole Porter's Let's Do It. With the replacements and the Blackhearts connection. And that's Tank Girl. That's Tank Girl. That's the end of it. Jamie Hewlett's feature film. I think you were a little hotter on it than I was. I thought it
1: was a lot of fun. I think the third act kind of fell apart. It wasn't my favorite part of the movie. But I really liked a lot of the artistic choices they make. I like that it wasn't really played as like a very straight film. There's a lot of experimentation going on. I think it was really cool, and I admire that.
0: I think I'm a little less sold on some of the choices than you. I love the production design a lot. It's so Hewlett-y. Like, it really does look like the world of Jamie Hewlett has come to life. Uh, I also really just enjoy seeing in 2018 a movie with a lot of practical effects. Definitely. That's cool, too. Uh, I like Laurie a lot here. I thought the whole cast was pretty rock solid. For sure. But I think that... In all the ways that this movie does work, none of them really would have if you hadn't have had this, like, tornadic, insane, central performance. Right. You really needed a strong lead here to carry the movie. Like, I might have been, if I was a cool progressive studio guy, I might have seen Tank Girl and been like, well, fuck it. Let's have her play, like, Joker in the next Batman or something.
1: Yeah. That would have been pretty cool.
0: Like, she's got that really good, like, you never know what's going to happen come out of her mouth next, or, or what she's going to do physically next. She's very fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to finish this uh, off the way that I'd like to finish all of our movie reviews off. Now, Trevor, you revealed to me that you find the whole idea of movie ratings to be a little odious. Is that true?
1: Sure. I mean, taking you know a complicated piece of criticism and just boiling it down to a, a number between 1 and 10 really does kind of an injustice to the whole medium of taking apart art in general, I think.
0: It almost is like at the end of a of a critical essay, you're like, but too long didn't read. B. Yeah. Yep. But maybe you'll approve of my metric, which is something I devised back when Netflix used to actually have a five-star rating uh, style, remember? Before it was just thumbs up and thumbs down. Sure. I wanted to figure out what those numbers meant to me so I could very quickly, very easily decide what category each movie falls into. So... I'm going to use that metric to rate the movies that we do on our movie nights, Trevor. So allow me to explain. One star under my system is I wish this movie didn't exist. Two stars is I didn't like this movie and I wish I hadn't seen it. Three stars is this movie was okay, but I'll never watch it again. Four stars is uh, I like this movie and I would see it again. And five stars is I like this movie enough that I'd own it. And put it on a shelf so that people could see that I like this movie. That sounds
1: like a pretty reasonable way to rate things.
0: So I'm going to give you mine out of five, Trevor. Are you ready? All right.
1: Let me hear how you'd rank Tank Girl. I give Tank Girl a
0: 2.5 out of 5. Pretty, Pretty middling. Pretty middling. There's enough here to like that I won't say that I'm angry for the time it took from me. But there's not enough for me to like to say that it was good.
1: I would say on your scale, I would give tank girl a four
0: as in. I liked it and I'd watch it again, but I'd probably wait a little while. To watch it again. <laughs> You wouldn't be like, Hey, you guys got to come over and see this movie. I just saw no, no,
1: <laughs> but I would say that I'm a fan. of A lot of the unconventional decisions
0: that it makes with that, Trevor, we finally have finished this season.
1: That's season six of hallelujah monkeys. Next season, we'll be kicking things off with, uh, a review of Blur's second album, Modern Life is Rubbish. Modern Life is Rubbish. Before going down the line once again, phase by phase, and taking a look at special albums by special collaborators. <laughs> and I imagine we'll announce those... Probably
0: during the Blur episode, right?
1: Yeah, we'll announce those at the end of the next episode, just to keep our listeners in, ex- in suspense for a little while longer.
0: I do want to, I don't know if this counts as an announcement, but I do want to make a statement of intention, which is that now that the new phase has started, I think, I think you and I are going to try our damnedest here to get the release schedule going again. Definitely. I've
1: actually really enjoyed being a podcast that updates occasionally and is just like a nice little treat to find in your inbox. Sure. But I'm, I'm. Looking forward as well to having a more consistent presence in the Gorillas fan community Me too. once again, and hopefully getting back to those week-by-week episodes.
0: It feels like we went to auxiliary power mode, and now we're going to power back up and go to full throttle Hallelujah, monkeys! mode. Again. Sure,
1: we were a little off the grid out in the wilderness, just popping our heads in every now and then, but now that things are really going down, we'll be
0: kicking our shoes off and staying a while. And watching uh, uh, episodes of the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah. Reviewing new Gorillas videos and singles, assumedly, coming soon. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would assume if this, if this album's coming out on the 29th, we better have a single coming, Trevor. And I believe you also wanted to start working through some of the
1: real odds and ends stuff that we've never talked about before, like the 5-4 music video, some of the live visuals. And I think... We're going to have an episode covering some of those coming down the pipeline pretty Definitely. soon as well.
0: So often I get, I get comments from, uh, from listeners who are like, when are you guys going to do the behind-the-scenes plastic beach stuff? And, you know, the answer is soon. Soon, soon, soon. Maybe that'll be
1: unannounced, though. That'll be a little surprise for our listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah. It'll drop when it drops. Uh, the now-now is now-now. We're we're soon-soon, and we're very excited to get back into the swing of Howling You Muggies Proper!
1: Yes. Uh, but until that happens, do you want to tell everybody where they can find us online and stuff?
0: They can find us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Tumblr and Instagram and Amino. Uh, they can join our Discord at discord.me slash monkeys with a Z. They can... Uh, oh, they should definitely go to patreon.com slash hallelujah You know, Trevor recently... We we uploaded an episode uh, that was about Ween's album, Quebec. and I That think, was a really great episode. <laughs> I think, honestly, the Hockey's Club might be my favorite podcast that we do.
1: <laughs> it's really fun. And we've had some great albums to talk about. We've talked about some great music with some interesting stories behind it. I know our donors are really enjoying those episodes as well. And I recommend everybody checking them out.
0: For only a dollar a month, you get access to all the premium content on patreon.com. slash shall you monkeys? Definitely do that. Also, definitely subscribe to one hit wonders of the world. Another podcast that's on a sort of auxiliary power schedule, but continues to put out stellar work. That episode that you guys released about Rapper's Delight was it was maybe my favorite episode of the podcast and also just a true end to end joy.
1: That was a, that was a lot of fun to record, as was the follow up episode about I wish by Skila, which I believe Maxton is producing as we speak
0: coming soon i wish it was a little bit taller
1: we all know it i wish we had that episode but soon enough
0: <laughs> uh yeah that's it that's it right end of season end of tank girl uh beginning of phase five it's an exciting time trevor
1: yeah we'll we'll see you in phase five in season seven but for now i've been trevor Ickraft. i've been dylan flynn don't get lost in heaven.
0: She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. So don't even try to front, son. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly, but she carries a big gun. She walks softly.